Open your Bibles if you have them or uh, click on them if you're carrying them electronically to the book of Matthew chapter 18. This is not meant to be, a, this, I know this is kind of a low-hanging fruit kind of a comment, but do you realize just how incredibly talented and anointed our team is? Yes. I mean, everybody, our children's workers, do you real, I mean, the, the, the fact, you, don't, you probably don't even, you probably didn't see some of the things because you know, we, we try to protect everybody's you know, personal life and everything, but I mean, the, the, the team that's here, even for a two-gather uh, the folks that showed up to volunteer and serve kids lunch and sit with them and, and be with kids from all of the school-age kids and just love on them and give them. I mean, the, the devotion, the discipline, the organization just to recruit and to empower people. And then all, all across the board, our, our hospitality crew is amazing and, and, and disciplined and careful and thoughtful. And then, of course, the, the musicians have, you know, they just give themselves to time and preparation and prayer and, uh, and value the anointing above all things, but they don't, they don't, put, their, they don't put practice or, or discipline in the back burner. I'm just so thankful for this house and thankful for all of you. If you did you find Matthew 18 yet? Okay, so we've been in Matthew 18 for a, a smidge. What we did um, uh, two weeks ago is we, we went through uh, verses 15 through 20 where Jesus talked about dealing with sin in the church. And we were careful to try to recognize that that particular passage, it didn't appear that Jesus was teaching us about dealing uh, with someone sinning, sinning against us, even though in some of our passages... There, there is that against you phrase. That, that's probably not the best reading, that that particular section is dealing with what do you do when a brother or sister walks off of the path of righteousness? How do you help them? And we talked about, well, the first thing is you go to them and grab them. And if you can't pull them back, then get two or three with you and, and keep pulling until they come back. Okay. Uh, but but now we go into a different section where Jesus absolutely is going to deal with, he's going to be answering a question that Peter asks, and he is going to be dealing with, what do we do about when brothers or sisters following Jesus do sin against one another? I shouldn't say when they do, I should say if they do. Okay, because, well, it, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's an if, not a when, <laughs> It should be an if. It should be a very slim if. All right. Now, I will also say that if there's any passage, I, I suppose there's a lot of them, and I, and I guess, but it seems to me like Matthew 18 uh, is one of the most sought-to-be-negotiated passages in the Bible. Like, we have the words of Jesus, and then people say, yeah, but wait a minute. Let's, let's see if we can negotiate that. Uh, and people like to negotiate with the words of Jesus. The, the really awesome, they like to negotiate with nothing will be impossible for you. They want to raise their hand and say, well, we should be careful. Or uh, if he says, you know, when, when he says not to, not to tolerate sin in the church and that, that the church has the moral authority to, to declare things lawful or, or, or not lawful, to bind or loose, to tie or untie, we say, well. And now people aren't sure about this one sometimes. But let's lean into it and see what we find, because what we'll see today is that when it comes to mercy and the followers of Jesus, mercy is mandatory. 
Let's just all try to say that out loud so we know where we're going. Ready? Mercy is mandatory. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but now the NIV says 77 times. Your Bible might say 70 times seven. And you want to panic and say, which one is it? Yes. A lot is the answer. It just depends. It's kind of hard to interpret in the Greek whether it's because of the way they put the numbers together. It doesn't really matter. But a lot is the answer. Therefore, now Jesus is going to give a parable to illustrate that answer. Verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Thank you, Laura Lee. Honestly, that you, uh, uh, you, you all just need to read and get brushed up on all your first century literature so that you can respond appropriately when we say things out loud. 10,000 bags of gold. Someone should, re- should shock, awe, chuckle. That's the, remember, the parables have a shock value in them on purpose. Here it is. This is the first one. We're supposed to go, what? Impossible. Since he was, not, since he was unable to pay, his master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went out and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back All he owed. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Mercy is mandatory. Our story begins with a little bit of a question and answer time between Peter and Jesus. And Peter begins, uh, really, it sounds good, but honestly, I think his question is more like this. Uh, Lord, how soon can we get even? (laughs) 
Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times? There's the question. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? If you're underlining things, even in my notes, I have brother or sister underlined and sins against me underlined. Because we're still talking, Jesus is still talking to us about how we are supposed to relate to our fellow disciples of Jesus. This is, how, this is about brothers brothers and sisters. Time out. Did you ever see Kirby Shaw in choir? It was an old, well, you probably were too sanctified. Kirby Shaw was an old jazz, easy jazz arrangement. And we sing brothers and sisters and sisters and brothers. Really bad. Anyway, I'll give it to you. You'll think of it someday. Someday you'll figure it out. Laura Lee probably knows. I should ask her all the stuff. Anyway, yeah. Working together to make things right. Knowing for sure there's a new day of dawning. By sharing our love, we will see the light. Da 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 da. Anyway, all right. Seventh grade jazz choir. Kirby Shaw. Um, sorry, babe. <laughs> Max probably loved it, but my wife's a little. Anyway, all right. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? We are talking still about fellow disciples, and we are talking now about being sinned against. We are not talking about getting irritated with other people. So if what I was doing just now bothered my family, that's not this. (laughs) Or Michael James, this, what I just did, irrespective of your displeasure with it, was not a sin against you. There's about two wings of the congregation that usually I get in trouble with. (laughs) This is about being sinned against, not they didn't do what I wanted them to do. This is about being sinned against, not your sense of entitlement. Sinned against. It's also about forgiveness. See, Peter understood. By his question, we see that Peter understood that forgiveness is not an if. He got that much. But now he's asking if there's a how much. I get if, Lord. We're supposed to forgive, but, 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 let's, but let's be real talk here, Jesus. Hashtag. Time out. How many times should I forgive? Before we even get going, let, let's make sure that we understand that, with, that Peter is not necessarily saying, how many times do I forgive uh, a brother or sister who keeps hitting me in the head with a hammer? If your brother or sister is hitting you with a hammer, they need to stop that. And they, you need to not let them hit you with a hammer again. This is not, how many times should I say, oh, go ahead, hit me again. This is not about repeating the same offense over and over. This is not a, this is about, this is a question about how disciples preserve and honor a covenant relationship with each other. It's about preserving our relationship with each other. Someone say covenant relationship. 
unpleased. This is what we're talking about. How do we preserve a covenant relationship? We do that by, by, by valuing, by practicing mercy. But this is not a question that somehow creates some sort of weaponized loophole for us to become abusers, enablers, or victims. That's a whole nother thing. Don't do that. That was actually taken care of two weeks ago. If someone is an axe murderer, we deal with that. We, t- we go to them, stop abusing, stop violating, stop hurting, stop attacking. This is not about that. This is what do I do? How do we navigate a covenant relationship following Jesus together? Well, and Peter probably thought he was being generous. Right? And he, you know, kind of, I mean, you kind of get the idea that he's looking around waiting for his moment. <coughs> Jesus has been talking about sin and little ones and woe to them who caused them to sin and everything. And, Jesus, and Peter sees his spot. <laughs> he steps up and says, Jesus, because he says it loud enough for everybody to hear him. Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven? Because you know seven's a magic number. It's very, very Old Testament-y. Everybody loves seven. Creation, Genesis, numbers, all that kind of thing. And he's like, whoa. And he's probably like you and me, because you know you can find yourself in these guys. He's probably imagined beforehand that he's going to ask this question in an interview. He's rehearsed it in his head. I would have. This is what I would have. I'm going to ask this question. I rehearse it in my head at the time. And Jesus is going to turn to me and go, yes. You know, Brian hadn't thought of that. That is a great answer. Jesus, and Peter is looking to get back that blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah thing again. Because he got blessed art thou, and then he got Satan afterwards. So he's trying, to, he's trying to recoup some territory here. The, the rabbis taught that you should forgive someone three times. They got that from one of the, the book of the 12, one of the prophets who wrote that, that, that it seemed to say that in, in dealing with Israel, you know, it used a number that God said, you know, he forgave them three times, and the, but the fourth time he was going to respond. And so the rabbis taught, well, we should not, and we should not try to be more merciful than God. It turns out we can't. Jesus' answer to Peter in verse 22 says, Jesus says, I tell you, not seven, but 77 or seven times seven. The point is this, friends. If you are counting, you are not forgiving. If you are counting, you are just getting ready to get even. If you are counting, you are just postponing and planning your vengeance. That's five. (laughs) So Jesus says, if you're going to count, count to 490. (laughs) Ah, nuts. If we we go with this, depending on on, on how you read it, it almost doesn't matter, depending if you read the Mazoric text or the Septuagint, Remember how we said two weeks ago that Jesus reverses the, the curse in Genesis where Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? He, because of sin, he rejected brotherhood. And, but in Matthew 18, Jesus, he reverses that and makes us responsible for our siblings. We are, in, as followers of Jesus, we are our brother's and sister's keeper. 
I am responsible for you. I'm not let up. I, can, I am not supposed to let you off the trail. Yes. And then in, in Genesis 4.24, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a guy named Lamech who says, if Cain is avenged seven times, then let Lamech be avenged 77 or 70 times seven times. He pronounces a curse of vengeance. And Jesus, point, he reaches all the way back to Genesis, reverses that curse of vengeance, and makes it a covenant of mercy instead. And then he teaches us about God's mercy and ours. God's mercy toward us sets the measure for our mercy toward one another. Mercy is mandatory. Therefore, he says, the kingdom of heaven, when we say the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about the dominion of heaven, the rule of Jesus, life lived under King Jesus. And he said, it's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... This is not in my notes, but I, and I, so I'm afraid I won't remember to say it, but it, I, I probably will now, now that I'm saying it now. The king is the one who will settle these accounts. Part of the story includes a king who will settle accounts. Now, that's, I realize that there's a bit of a Mufasa. They're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. what you need to do, I mean, to tell you this ahead of time, you need to trust that King Jesus, in his righteousness and in his justice, is able to settle all accounts. You, if you don't trust him to have the capacity to settle accounts, then you'll never release your, the debts against you to him. You must say, the king will settle accounts, not me. The king will settle accounts. Say it out loud, even online. Let's say it together. The king will settle accounts. Get that in your spirit. The king settled accounts. He, he, took, he took measure, careful measure, what was owed to him and the debts against him. And he finds a servant who, in the NIV it says, owed him 10,000 bags of gold. <laughs> what? In the, the literal version, probably in your footnote of your Bible, it'll say 10,000 talents. One talent. Now, you, you can, there's different, uh, different footnotes, different stuff, because it's kind of hard to measure. You know, inflation changes over the years. But it's a little bit hard to measure. But one talent, one talent was equal to at least 15 years' wages or maybe even 20 years' wages. One talent. One talent, 15 to 20 years' wages. Some folks work 20 years like for the, you know, the, the mail or the government, and that's it. You know, you, you, that's it. 15 to 20 years wages. And he owed how many talents? So that's 150 to 200,000 years wages he owed. This is why this is the shock value. When we hear this in the story, we're supposed to go, mind-blown emoji, right? The amount was effectively immeasurable. And this is supposed to shock us. How long would it take to repay that debt? Forever. It would be impossible to repay. And that's why verse 25, there's not even an explanation. Since he was not able to pay... 
We go from how much he, how much he owed. Auto, well, clearly you can't pay this. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. That wouldn't even cover it, but it's still, that would not cover his debt. It wouldn't even come close, but his debt would still cost him all he had. Right away, we understand, we already know the context of this is sin. Right away, we recognize our sin will cost us everything. We will lose everything if we cling to our sin. Verse 26, at this point, the servant fell on his knees before him, before his master, before the king. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. I will pay back everything, he said. If you're not here in the audience, we're going to say, hey, wait, 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 how could, what? We hear his cry for mercy, but it's... The words of Jesus matter. The, the man, in the story, it looks like the man only believed he just needed patience, that he could handle it. It's somewhat natural, friends, for those who have been reckless to assume that they can just make it up. You and I can often be blinded to the magnitude of our debt, especially our debt against heaven. People seem to have two general attitudes about sin. Both of them wrong. On one hand, they think that maybe sin is no big deal. They, it's almost like, oh, hey, I can make that up. Hey, I can. I just need a payment plan. It'll be all right. In other words, they, and just even that sentiment seems to minimize. They don't seem to realize the 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 travesty, the magnitude of their debt. On the other hand, folks will say, my debt. My sin is just too big. And Jesus confronts both of those fallacies in this parable. Your sin is a big deal. Jesus had to die for it. Your sin is not too big because Jesus died for all of it. It's real, but Jesus is greater than Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Ooh, this is why, this is why sometimes it's, I just, the second or third time around, I think it's something to say. You, you know, who, see, the servant said, the servant said, have patience on me, I'll pay it back. His idea was repayment. But whose idea was mercy? Boy, you're not happy enough. You're not happy enough. Mercy is God's idea. Forgiveness, he thought of it. He thought of it before you asked for it. I need to find somebody. Where I'm glad my mom's going to come to church next service. You watch. I'll record it. She'll shout me right down. Forgiveness, he thought of it before the servant did. The only solution to the magnitude of this debt was mercy. Patience won't help us. Only mercy can save us. The king had mercy. He forgave. He canceled the debt. And this is mercy. This is what it means to forgive, to, to cancel debt, to send it away. Once again, let's repeat this. Mercy is not approval of the debt. Mercy is not acceptance or endorsing a debt. Mercy is not denying that a debt ever existed. It's staring that debt right in the face and canceling it. 
It's releasing the receipt. I have a receipt, a debt owed me. And Jesus releases that. He, in effect, in effect, that's not in the parable, but we could reason with it and we can look at throughout Scripture. The only way that that debt could be handled is if the king paid it himself. He had to settle accounts. And mercy is releasing the receipt. Mercy is releasing the right to get paid or to get even. This is what God in Christ has done for you and for me. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul says, Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us, and condemned us. There was, a, there is, there was for those who are following Jesus. But there is a charge, a receipt of debt against us that stands as a condemning indictment. But in, but he said he has taken it away. He has nailed it to the cross. It's been destroyed there. Isaiah forty three twenty five. I even I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And remembers your sins no more. As far as Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The king canceled the debt. God gives us mercy. We must give the mercy we've received. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him about a hundred silver coins. He found a fellow servant. He found somebody else who is also accountable to the king. You've got to get that. He found someone else who was also accountable to the king. In the parable to you and I, he's talking about another disciple, a follower of Jesus, a brother or sister. This fellow servant owed him about 100 days wages. That's not a kick in the britches. That's, that's some money, 100 days wages. It was real debt, but the comparison is incomparable. What was owed him could have fit in his pocket. And I get the idea that he was kind of, kind of, he kind of, it's like he kept that, that debt in his pocket. I wonder how many of you have kept a debt in your pocket. Held on to that thing. Held on to that grudge. Held on to that receipt. What you believe is owed to you. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. Note how he acted when he felt owed, when he felt there was an obligation toward him, how he not only, not only did he desire to be paid back, he wanted to, to do harm. See, friends, entitlement only knows demand. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Well, that's... His fellow servant begs the same way he did. Jesus intentionally gives them the same voice. And the reader or the listener to the story would expect now the first servant to recognize the desperate plea as the sound of his own voice. But he refused. Instead, 
he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. It's not clear, really, how being thrown in prison would enable repayment. <laughs> there are some folks that write in various commentators and commentaries that say, well, it's possible he might have, I don't know, like a work-study program in prison or, you know, a, or some sort of a sponsorship. They, they look for ways to try to make it make sense, but I don't think Jesus is trying to make it make sense. It's more likely that being thrown in prison actually prohibits the debt from ever being settled and just punishes the debtor indefinitely, which is really the goal. It is an act of vengeance. It's as if he took no consideration of the mercy he had received. Again, he may, on one hand, he may have felt entitled to receive mercy for himself, but then also felt entitled to repayment from another. It's not unusual for folks to gladly believe that they could receive mercy from God, but they have a difficult time believing that, that, that the mercy that they receive, that others should get that. Well, because they judge themselves by their intentions. And we sentence others according to their actions. God's mercy is enough for me, but it's not enough for the offense against me. This is where you've got to let this, this parable just press into your soul. Friend, God, if you believe God's, you need to, if you believe God's mercy is enough for you, you must believe that it is enough for the offense against you. You say, oh, I, you don't know what they did. I know what he did. The minute you say, but you don't know what they did, you are elevating whatever action it was against you above the power of Christ's actions for you. And we're not saying, some, some folks have been really deeply hurt and valued and wounded and all kinds of things that are just gross. We're not saying it was okay. We're not saying that's acceptable. We're not denying it happened. We're saying that you must trust the king to settle those accounts. We're saying that the only way for you to receive your mercy and walk in freedom is for you to release that passionate desire to throttle somebody else. You've got to release that. If you believe his mercy is enough for you, it must be enough for everybody else. Otherwise, you've made an idol out of you. This parable pokes us. They all do. Very few people left parables going, wow, that was a great story. I enjoyed that. What would you think? I imagine Peter probably at the end of this parable said, man, I'm kind of sorry I asked. <laughs> it, it, it's possible, and I want to say this to all my friends here listening, it may be that, he, this, that the first servant never really accepted the mercy given him. It's possible. Now we're kind of reading into the story a little bit, but we're going to give ourselves permission to spiritualize. He may have still felt the weight of his debt. 
He may still have carried the guilt of all of that debt. And that weight can be agitating. The weight of debt and shame and even resentment can strangle us. Leave us agitated and angry and bitter at other people and unable to forgive. Friends, you, that's why, that's, it's, mercy is mandatory. It's mandatory that you receive mercy from King Jesus. And then it's mandatory that you say, yes, I believe that mercy is enough. Yes. It's enough. Yeah, but I don't know, but you know what they did? I know what he did. You must keep looking at the cross. You must keep looking at the powerful sacrifice of Jesus. If you want to be free, you must look to Jesus and live. Why 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 are you yelling? Because (laughs) people just want to negotiate even... Even I was a sweet brother last night wanting prayer, and he said, I wish it were that easy. And I want to say, wait a minute. He didn't say it was you try or it was easy. He said, you do it. He didn't give us like, well, you know, give it a whirl. And, it's, and it's, it's you just look to Jesus. You look at the magnificence of his sacrifice, and you say, I got nothing. He said, but I was really hurt. He was hurt more. He paid for it. I release it to him. I trust his judgment. I, I trust that he'll settle accounts. I release it to his jurisdiction. I, I release all of my receipts. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. They were outraged at this hypocrisy that one who could receive such great mercy could fail to show any mercy. And the master called the servant in and he said, you wicked servant. This is me raising my hand. I'm waiting for you to call on me. Yes, Dad? Thank you. Uh, did anyone notice when the king called him wicked? Did he call him wicked at the beginning? He comes to him owing him an immeasurable amount of debt. Does he say, you wicked servant, how in the world did you get yourself caught up in this mess? You big dummy, how could you, how could you blow it this bad? Did he get a big pile of condemnation at the front? No, he canceled the debt. When did he call him wicked? When he refused to show mercy. Interesting how God measures wickedness. You wicked servant, I canceled that debt. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? This is mercy. This is what it means to forgive. Shouldn't you have canceled the debt just the way yours was canceled? Shouldn't you have sent away the debt the way yours was sent away? Jesus is not asking us to approve or accept or excuse a debt or deny it ever existed. He is expecting us to accept his payment. Release our right to get even. This is what God in Christ has done for us, and this is what we do for one another. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. This is covenant relationship. This is us following Jesus together. You're going to have the opportunity to forgive each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Do you want... 
God to forgive you the way that you are claiming to forgive somebody else. Well, I'm going to, well, I forgive them, but I'm going to stay mad. I'm going to stay mad, and I'm going to look for an opportunity to, you know, to drop some passive-aggressive comment at the next potluck. <laughs> I'm going to forgive them, but, I'll, but I might certainly bring, it up, bring up what happened at the next prayer meeting. I just want you to share my heart with another fellow believer. No, you've got it's the same. Do you want to show up in heaven and say, "Oh, there's there's Brian"? You know, I just need to share with the angels in my heart. Let me tell you what Brian. I just say what Brian did and how he offended me and how he sinned against me. hear that? Don't do it again. She said, you were thinking it. She said it. Well, then I got, a, I got a verse for both of you. Here it is. I got one for the each of you. Bearing with one another. Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another. And forgiving. Those are different. Some things you just got to bear with it. Like 30 years of me. 26 for you. Bearing with one another. I said this last night. Bearing my, my, my associate Jess doesn't like Lysol spray. She likes oils and things and oils and natural everything. She don't like Lysol. And when she's not looking, I send my Marine with, a, with, a, with an AR-15 or a 17 full of Lysol spray and destroy everything in this place. And then she gets mad. But you know what? That's not for her to forgive. That's for her to bear with. I say, when she sends me messages, Jess is mad. I said, smile and tell her I adore her. He said, Aaron, don't like it. The musicians are staring at me. Bear with. <laughs> Bear with one and forgive each other. You got to do both. A lot of times you're just bearing with each other. You, and we ought to have a whole sermon on bear with one another. Because that's probably most of the time that's the real problem is you stop doing that. But then there's forgiving. Really canceling a debt, a sin. If you do, oh. forgive each other, if whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. See, right now, Jeremy's going back to deal with Jess right in the back. God bless you. You guys work that out. <laughs> Holy Ghost conviction hit him, and he just went back there to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Well, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. He refused. That's right. That's right, Judy. You said, I heard her say, well, that'd take forever. 
And that, that's the, 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 the parabolic punch. He re- but here's the thing. He refused to forgive, and then he was the one who ended up in prison. And he was tortured there. How long? Until he could pay back his debt. How long would that take? Friends, living in and living with unforgiveness is torture. It will never stop hurting you. It will never stop devouring you. It will never stop destroying you. The only freedom that you will be able to find is if you first forgive. Forgiveness of others, the sin against you, will preclude. It will come before all of your healing. You're going to need healing. You're going to need deliverance. You might need even a good friend to talk through and rethink and get rid of strongholds and lies that you believe, all of that stuff. But it's you, it, none of that is going to happen before we forgive. The merciless soul is a tortured soul. And then Jesus says it. He just drops it at verse 35. There's no way around this. We People try. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. He's talking to his boys. Looking right down. Maybe he stops right at Peter. <laughs> Nuts. This is how my Father, my Heavenly Father, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. What it sounds like, friends, is that if we do not or will not show the mercy toward others that we have received, God will hold us accountable for the debt that we owe. And the way that he described being held accountable is torture. James chapter 2, verse 13 says... Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has been unmerciful or who has not been merciful. But mercy triumphs over judgment. And for disciples of Jesus, mercy is mandatory. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to ask us to stand together as we close in prayer this morning. If you could just sort of play that that last hymn again, I Surrender All, just play it behind us as we take a moment. I surrender all. Would you say it out loud with me? I surrender all. Oh, say it again. I surrender all. That That is the, the confession of a disciple, the song of a disciple. Lord, the first thing we have to do is recognize that we are people who need mercy. We need your mercy, and we're so grateful that mercy is your idea. We're not coming to you with a proposition of mercy. We're coming to you, Lord, because mercy is your idea. We are coming to you to receive that which you have paid for and provided. If you have not received mercy, it's up to you to receive it. 
It's up to you to say, Lord, I repent of my sin. I receive for myself what Jesus Christ has done. I receive, I accept the mercy of God to forgive me of my sin. Recognizing that everybody in here is always a candidate for mercy. But if this morning you know the Holy Spirit is challenging you that you need right now to settle an account with Jesus. You need to settle an account with God. You aren't right with Him. You have a debt that you cannot pay and you need His mercy. Come on, everybody, I want you to bow your heads across this house and let's just take a moment. Let's build and have a moment with the King. Right now, you have a debt you cannot pay, and you need the mercy of God to forgive you of your sin. The Bible says, repent. Repent. I want to give you that moment right now. I'm not the king, but but I'd love an opportunity to agree with you, just to pray with you even out loud, give you an opportunity to respond. Right now, in this room, watching online, right live or this week, if you are in need of the mercy of God to forgive you of your sin, why don't you lift your hand right now and let's let's get free. Let's get free right now. Lift it out wherever you are. Lord, be merciful to me. Come on, lift it up. Be honest with yourself and the, and the Lord. Jesus, we come to you and we ask you for mercy. We come to you and ask you, Lord, we repent of our sin. And we ask you, Lord, your word says, if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'll say it again, friends. If you have not been baptized in water, then you you need to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, and be filled with the Spirit so you can follow Jesus. We're going to baptize folks next week. You come ready. Come with a change of clothes. Put a card in there. You You don't have to tell us. We'll be ready for you. But now the rest of us, everybody in this room. Are you carrying receipts in your pocket of sins against you? Accusations. Grudges. Resentments, those things get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And again, I know I can feel you say, but you don't know what they did. Sometimes we reimagine an offense to make it much larger. Sometimes the offense is almost unimaginable. Either way, all I can say to you is, Jesus paid enough. His sacrifice, His sacrifice, what Jesus Christ has done for you is greater than what anyone has done to you. You must trust Jesus to settle accounts and trust that His sacrifice, His shed blood is enough for you and enough for the person who sinned against you. Do you believe that? Would you take that offense right now, like you have it in your hands, and just give it to the king? Just say, Lord, this is you. You settle this account. It's too much for me to measure. It's too much for me to hold. It's too much for me. It's too much. I know you think, if I let go of it, I won't be able to get even. Right, you won't. But you might be free. 
You won't be able to get even, but you'll be free. You won't be able to get even, but you can find healing. You won't be able to get even, but you'll have peace. You won't be able to get even, but you won't find yourself in jail. Come on, let's just release it to him. Lord, I receive your forgiveness and I forgive. In Jesus' name. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. Sing that chorus, all your heart. I surrender. or give it to somebody else who want to pray with you and for you. So the front of the room here, it's just going to be a time of prayer. If you'd like to have fellowship and hang out and get some more coffee, some donuts, go to the cafe. God bless you. Now, be kind to those on your way out. Practice the kindness of Jesus Christ to others. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great day, folks. God bless you.